Welcome to Just James's podcast. Scooby Doo Doo, Wobbly Wow, Billy Mariah, Wow, 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 with Thomas, definitely not Timothy. Yeah! Nailed it! Hello, everybody! Welcome back to Just James. Do, 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 do. It's your host, James! And I have my beautiful plant, my co-host, my buddy, my best friend, Thomas, with me. Tomo is looking amazing. The heating has gone back on in my flat. Uh, for those of you that guys that are new to my podcast, welcome to my regulars. You'll know this. I live in a teeny tiny pokey flat in London. And my, I live in a really, really old building. So the, the heating in the building is building wide. And... So I have no dictation over the heating. But the good thing is I don't pay for heating then because it's included. The bad thing is I have absolutely no control over my heating. So when it's on, it's on, that's it. And it stays on for the next potential six months until the entire building agrees that it's time to turn it off. So sometimes it gets warm, the weather's warm, and the heating's still on. But it's the first day and my little home is so toasty and it's so warm and it's just made me feel like it's autumn and I have decided, I think I decided last December when my beautiful friends Michelle and Sean were here in the, from the States and we spent some time up in um, Suffolk. Now unfortunately there wasn't much for us to do because it was you know, everything in Suffolk closes down in winter, everybody sort of takes a break. So we did loads of walks and looked at great old churches and graveyards and did like a lot of like boring, I would say boring, I mean, it's it's educational and interesting, but we weren't like, you know, there wasn't a lot to do, but being outside and enjoying the like countryside, it made me appreciate the British winter. And I've, I kind of fell in love with winter last year because of that. Um, and it was quite special because obviously having such special friends with me, um, it, it's almost like makes me think of them every single time that, like it rains now. And I mean, Michelle loves the rain. Um, every time it rains in, in her town, she sort of takes a video of it. Her little dog loves it. Um, she'll appreciate this so much. <laughs> but you guys have made me fall in love with the rain and the cold. And I'm actually so excited for winter this year. Like summer was so hot here. We had 40 degree weather days. And I think I've just kind of, I've become so climatized to the British weather that I actually don't like the heat that much anymore. I'm happier in the cold. I want to be in scarves and coats and rain. And I'm just so excited that my heating's on because it means it's autumn. We're going to get better weather. We Oh, I say better weather, cooler weather, cuddling weather nice soups, you know, like really nice, like wintry foods. It gets dark earlier. I'm just loving it this year. I'm embracing autumn. I mean, I'm being that like autumny girl. I mean, I'm still not into pumpkin spice stuff, but certainly into like the cooler, cooler weather. I'm I'm living for it this year. So, yeah, that's happening. Guys, I was at my brother's wedding last week. It was it was breathtaking. I cried pretty much the entire day. Pretty much the entire day. I was so like taken aback. I was so proud of him. Um you from I I got up really early. I helped all the bridesmaids do their hair. 
did the flower girls hair and then I rushed back. I literally had 15 minutes to get ready. And my dumbass baby brother, I had put my suitcase open. I'd laid out everything that I needed to get ready, like my hair stuff in one place, my makeup in one place, my clothes, my underwear. I'd laid everything out on top of my suitcase, the little clippies I was going to put in my hair, the, my jewelry. I'd laid everything out. Came back and my dumbass brother needed to look at himself in my mirror. He's his own room, by the way. But he felt that my mirror in my room was so much better. He closed my whole suitcase and moved it. And literally everything that I was that had its place was lost in the mayhem of my suitcase. So I got back. I had a shower. I could not find anything. I was screaming at people. I had my sister trying to tie my the ribbon on my dress. I was trying to straighten my hair. I was trying to do my makeup. And when you're in a hurry, my makeup kept like – my mascara kept like messing. My liquid eyeliner kept messing. I put fake eyelashes on. I eventually ripped them off. And then for the rest of the day, I had eyelash glue. My bottom, the, my eyelash and my bottom lid kept sticking together. I was a disaster. And I would have been so prepared if I just felt like my stuff was where my stuff was meant to be. Anyway, I blame my brother all day. I cucked him out all day. Um, so screamed into the reception hall, um, to the chapel, uh, literally not even two minutes before the bride came through. Like I literally had seconds to get there. Um, and I saw Nick watch his wife walk down the aisle and in front of me, my dad was sitting and I saw my dad start crying. Nick started crying at the altar. I started crying and I just, just cried and then I had to I did a um a reading at the wedding and of course I got up there and I was like I'm blubbering I was just like I had tears I was just I've struggled to talk I was just so emotional um it was just such a beautiful wedding they they their vows to each other was so sweet they made their own vows um and then we did we went downstairs sort of like did loads of family photographs did loads of photos. My little nephew was so cute because he'd been like pent up and held all morning, you know, with the wedding. He just refused to get in anybody's arms and just was like crawling around like a mad person in front of the photos, but definitely posed enough for photos. He's such a diva. So it's some lovely, gorgeous family photos done. Um, and then we, there was quite a big gap between things. The problem is it, because we were in the Lake District, it absolutely poured with rain, poured, 100% rain predicted all day. But like sheets and sheets and sheets of rain, it, like no matter where you stood outside, you just got sopping wet. So a lot of the stuff that was planned for the day, we couldn't go through it because everybody was just getting absolutely soaked. So there were big gaps in the day. And so we, the wedding was at 1130 and then we only sat down for dinner at three. And in the UK, it's actually called breakfast. So the first meal after your wedding, regardless what time it is, is called breakfast, which I thought was quite strange. I don't know if that's, um, maybe I don't, I don't actually I mean I'm not even going to predict why they did that but it's called a, a wedding breakfast so we ate at three um so we were starving I mean honestly like literally like tearing each other's like like any bit of food we could probably get in your mouth I probably would have taken so I was starving by the time breakfast or slash dinner came at three 
and then we had a gap again after that. I looked after my nephew most of that time. And then at 6 p.m., yeah, I think about 6 p.m., they cut the cake. And then at 7 p.m., they opened up the dance floor with a band. And the band was brilliant. They were really good. Honestly, we had so much fun. Every song they sang, we all were singing along all night long. They were so, 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 so good. There was a really fun photo booth. And then at about hoppers nine at night, we got pulled pork burgers and chips. But And then the bride and groom left just before... I think the band finished at like half past 11, half past 11. And then after the last song, the bride and groom left. And then there were probably like six of us left, eight of us left with the bridesmaids and their partners. Um, And my room was right across from the dance floor, like the the party hall. So I had like 15 steps to get back to my cottage. So it was absolutely great. It was a lovely, it was an amazing day. Luckily, there weren't too many sore heads the next day. But I think because it was so drawn out, such a long day, I think we all kind of sobered up. So And like I stopped drinking at about 7 o'clock that night. I was kind of done with it. And I had really bad stomach cramps. And I just couldn't like, but it was, I mean, this sounds quite graphic, but it wasn't like, like, an upset stomach I just had like cramps down the side of my stomach but like not an upset tummy not like gassy or windy or anything like that nothing like that just this pain anyway the next day so I stopped drinking so I was quite sober by the time I went home um and then the next day I still had these cramps all day down the side of my stomach it almost like felt like your appendix but I don't have an appendix anymore so like I got rid of that years ago Anyway, so Monday came, still had the cramps, and so I went and saw my my doc, and I've pulled all the stomach muscles or torn the ligaments, or, or I don't know what it's called, the, the muscle on the left side of my stomach, and it's from carrying my nephew around on my hip and not watching my posture, and I didn't even think about it because he's such a big stocky boy he um he's heavy he's like a proper lightfoot boy like he's heavy and um he i've torn the stomach muscles from like turning or dancing with him or picking things up that he drops on the floor or whatever the case is i've pulled all the muscles so um that's why i'm in so much pain i'm cramping so if you pull your muscle, like you'll often find like it's sore, tender, there's pain or discomfort when you touch the abdomen, there's swelling, there can be bruising, there can be muscle spasms, there could be difficult stretching the muscle and then pain when moving or stretching or it can also be a pain after like excessive um, uh, exercise you can get it as well. So, you know, oh, it's so weird. Every the, the funny thing is that after this wedding, unfortunately, a lot of my family have come back with COVID. And like my little moo, my mom is, is really unwell at the moment. She's really, really, really unwell. Um, and my brother's family, well, new family, are not, a lot of them have COVID. So I'm absolutely fine. I don't have the sore throat. Everybody came back with a sore throat. I'm absolutely fine. But everybody got sick and I pulled and I pulled my bloody stomach muscles. I mean, who does that? So it's um I stretched it too far or I tore it or you know, I just really wasn't watching my posture. 
And it's so sore. I mean, I've been sleeping the last few nights with a hot water bottle. Like, it's really, really sore. And it's it's definitely not a hornea, um, hornea, a hernia. Um, so it, it will take just time to, I've just got to rest it. I can't do too much with it. You can't, um, you know, if you're trying to speed up the recovery of it, you've got to try and stay hydrated, reduce inflammation with cherry juice is a really good thing. You have to s- try and sleep as much as you can, compress the affected muscle, switch to a low impact exercise just while you're recovering, uh, up your protein intake. That's a really good thing to do and limit alcohol and tobacco consumption as well. I don't, I'm not a smoker and I'm not a very heavy drinker anymore, so I would quite luckily, um, <laughs> quite luckily, oh, every time I laugh, it's so sore. So, uh, you know, unfortunately, it can, it takes between three to six weeks to recover from a stomach muscle injury or a strain. So I've just got to be really careful with it. Be careful if I pick up anything really heavy, but I'm such a nana. I can't believe I hurt myself. I just, honestly, I just can't believe it. So I'm really sore. I'm, I, I'm really like trying to, I must say every day is a little bit better because now it's almost been a week. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really sore. It's really painful. And I'm just trying really, really hard not to, um, not to do too much damage to it either. So I'll take it easy if I possibly can. Uh, while we were there, we went to this, if you ever, I mean, I'm not sponsored by this in any way. I'm just sort of giving you guys um, a really great, cool thing to do. So when we were there in the Lake District, which is where we had the wedding, the Lake District is a beautiful section of the UK. It's absolutely breathtakingly beautiful. It's a whole lot of lakes that lead into each other. There's quite a number of different lakes. So you, there's so much to do. If you like hiking and walking, this is the place to go. But there is a little town there called Grasmere. Now, Grasby is a tiny little town. It's like a little, it's more touristy town than anything else. There's really not much to do. But there is a teeny, teeny, tiny stall, which is called the Sarah Nichols Grasmere Gingerbread. And it's a Victorian cook who invented this gingerbread in 1854 in the English Lake Lake District little village and it's a tiny little store it's probably not even like I would say five meters by two meters like tiny 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 little store so this gingerbread is a very unique it's like a sweet spicy cross biscuit and a cake it's it's really quite strange it's almost like chewy on the inside and like crispy on the outside it's it's I can't even explain it to you but it is absolutely it's the nicest gingerbread I've ever had it's so different it's so unique it's not like any other gingerbread you'll ever have because it's still like a cake and it's not like if you think of a gingerbread it's like a biscuit this is like a cakey biscuit it's quite different and when you go into the town all you smell is like melted butter and like sugar and it's like it it resonates the smell through this whole town it's almost like it almost draws you to the store because you can smell it from all around. And when you get to the store, there are queues. And I mean like two, three, four block queues of people waiting for gingerbread. So they make one batch every morning. That's it. And when it's done, it's done. So people go and stand in this queue for hours in hopes of getting some of the gingerbread. 
And if you're lucky enough to get some before the, 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 they run out for the day, you get some. But there's also the fear and excitement that you just might not get any gingerbread. And um, so you stand in this queue and you almost like make friends and you're all like in anticipation waiting to buy this gingerbread. And you get to the front of the store and you're like, yeah, I've got. So we actually went and got party favors for the wedding so all the guests could have some of this amazing gingerbread and I brought some home for myself and I'm so excited I've been having it with tea every night it's so yum just have one little block so I bought it um I only bought a six pack so it's got six little blocks in it um and I'd say they're probably about 10 centimeters by five centimeters long each each block so there's six you can buy an individual piece you can buy a six pack or you can buy a 12 pack and if you are ever in the UK, it is just just for the experience. I think it's really fun to go and do it um, because it is just so unique. And then have the gingerbread. So I've put mine in the freezer. So every now and I take a little piece out. I'm just enjoying enjoying the gingerbread of it. So <laughs> I like the I like the gingerbread. I think it's really nice. So if you really are, if you ever come to the UK, I highly recommend that. It's a really great thing to do. And I believe there's a Harry uh, Harry Potter, a Beatrix Potter exhibition uh, there as well. I We tried for days to get into it. And every day we tried, it was completely sold out. So unfortunately, we didn't get to do it. But um, I was, I mean, I'll definitely go back to the Lake District because it's so beautiful and uh, highly, highly recommend doing that. So yeah, good thing to do. Um, one of the things I got asked this week when I was grooming and I actually made a video on my TikTok and I made a video on my Instagram page, which is love thy dogs um, is for my dog grooming business is one of my clients asked me if I would um, groom or cut off the dog's whiskers when I was grooming. And I, before I couldn't blurt out, no foster in any possible way of being like, what is your, what are you insane? So, and I had to, I very kindly, I mean, you know, I'm not going to be a complete bitch, but I did say to, to my client, look, their dog's whiskers have a purpose and they were actually there for a really, really good purpose. So I thought, well, I'll just pass the knowledge on on here as well. You know what? I'm going to try and do more videos f for like cool dog stuff. I have so much knowledge on dogs. So I want to try and create like a bit of like a video series on it and like, give advice and maybe do like little videos I did a video uh last week as well which is great advice and I'll pass it on to you guys as well if you're washing any of your clothes and they're covered in dog hair now I because I'm a groomer I'm consistently covered in dog hair like loads and loads of dog hair so if you take a sponge that you wash your dishes with it's got to have like a like a rough side and then it's you know like the spongy side chuck that in the washing machine with your laundry and the sponge actually absorbs all that dog hair it'll take it all out of your clothes for you it's a great little extra great little like hack and then just discard the sponge throw the sponge away afterwards don't don't keep putting the same sponge back in the wash because it's already full of hair it won't pick up anymore so once you're once your sponge is filthy that from like cleaning your housey and stuff then I kind of use that as as the sponge then when I'm gonna do, do a load of dog grooming stuff so a little bit of advice for you but uh dog whiskers um i'm losing i'm just going off on a tangent so dog whiskers are actually called tactical hairs and they have a very important purpose they are sensory they have information 
they submit information to sensory cells when they detect objects or movement. So when you cut them off, dogs actually lose sense of things that are around them. Did you know the dog whiskers actually can sense the change in the wind? If if the wind spin changes, dogs' whiskers pick that up. But they're also used to detect subtle changes around them. So the, they, the whiskers submit information of objects around them with their size, their shape, and the speed of nearby objects. So they're really, really important. Um, they don't have any pain receptors in them. So if you've cut them off in the past, if you happen to have cut them off by accident, not knowing any of this information, you haven't hurt your dog. So don't panic. But it does create confusion and your dogs become less spatially aware. It affects their ability to judge the objects that are nearby them. It makes a dog lose confidence, actually. So the the whiskers serve as early warning devices for them that anything near their face, it can help a dog protect it from colliding into walls, into objects. It alerts dogs if something is approaching them that might be dangerous or damaging to their face. If you try and like cut or trim a dog's whiskers, um, you know, sometimes they look unruly. Sometimes they look like they're not really good for the you, you know, you. I think it's more of an aesthetic view. Like humans have an issue with them, but like leave them alone. They're actually meant to be there. Um, they, you know, they're not hairs. They're not going to grow the same as like your dog's coat. They're stiffer. They're thicker. Their um, their follicles are embedded deeper in the skin than the coat hair. And the whisk, you know, although the whiskers are different to the coat hair, they shed as well, like a, like a dog hair will. So, but they will grow back. So don't worry about that. They, they certainly will grow back, but they have a very important purpose to them. I certainly wouldn't cut them off uh, if you don't really need to. Just leave them where they are. They're meant to be there for a very, very, very good reason. So one of the things I, when I'm seeing this more and more with people getting married these days. You know, a lot of us have set up our homes, we've set up our families, we live together. It's not like the old days where you are suddenly getting married and you need to buy a full home. I mean, this still happens. So, like, I'm not discarding this in any way. I'm just saying in scenarios with people that I know in my life, in my situations, most of my friends that are getting married are getting married, already live together, already have their home set up. So for their wedding favors, they're rather asking for money as a wedding gift. And I know it can be uncomfortable to be like, yeah, we'd rather take your cash than, you know, an appliance from you. But cash gifting is becoming more and more popular at weddings for couples. Uh, you know, they they sort of like money is so much more helpful that can help them pay off the wedding and help them pay off their honeymoon. It can help them just put a little bit of money towards something as well. So instead of choosing a fancy candle, they're going, well, just give us the cash. So I think trying to decide how much to give can be a bit of a minefield. And some people have rules like it's covering the cost of your meal or give the equal to what they gave you or, you know, how much are you spending on travel and how much are you spending on hotels? I think there's so many things that you have to take into consideration and bringing a cash gift is sometimes you go, oh my gosh, how much am I supposed to give? So there should be 
Uh, I think first of all, don't be offended that the couple's asking for marry for for marriage. The couple's asking for money. It's it's tradition for the couple to to create a wedding gift list, and that's a very normal, common thing. And of course, if people don't really need that, they're asking for cash donations instead. And it can be. I know it's awkward. I must be really awkward for a couple to be like, "Yeah, give us your money. Let's just like." Give us your cash, but it really is going towards something, and it should really help. If you were going to spend money on a wedding gift anyway, why would you be offended? It's the same thing. It's just giving it in a different form. I just feel like I don't think it's a bad thing, and I don't think that you should feel pressured either if you can't afford it to submit a certain amount of money. But only give what feels right. So if there's there's a rough guide. And most people work around this. So if you're a single wedding guest, they normally say give 50 pounds. If you're a couple, give 100 pounds. If you're immediate family, 100 plus, you know, pounds. If you're a wedding, if you're in the wedding party, 100 plus. If you're an evening guest, only 25 to 50 pounds. And what that means in the UK, they do this quite, quite regularly, is they will invite, especially if the church has a limited uh, seating, or there's a cost per head. A lot of couples in the UK, I don't know if they do it in the rest of the world, will have their closest friends and family come to the to the actual ceremony and then to the dinner. So then so say like you like with my brother, they had the wedding at eleven thirty, they ate at three, and then at seven PM the, the party started. So you can also just be invited to the party section. That way the bride and groom aren't paying for your meals. And obviously that's quite a big expense. Whereas if you just come for the party, it's a cash bar. You pay for your own booze and pretty much you're just filling up a room for them. So a lot of people in the UK do that here, especially if you want to invite some work colleagues or uh, people that you aren't very close to, but you still feel obliged to invite along. So you can have a wedding, an evening guest as well. So if you're just an evening guest, I'd say 25 to 50 pounds. And if you're a colleague, again, coming as an evening guest, 25 to 50 pounds is, is pretty much acceptable as a gift. So, um, you know, and I think paper money is always a better thing than giving them a gift card. Unless they've asked specifically for a gift card, you can, I think that way they can make the decision on what they want to spend that money on. They can deposit it themselves rather than being forced to go to a specific store to spend the, the gift voucher. But, you know, I think Japanese money, uh, Japanese weddings money is very common gift as well. Um, so in Nigerian weddings, there'll be a money dance where the couple are sprayed with money and they boogie on it, if you want to say, <laughs> dance on it. Um, I know Indian weddings, there's typically no wedding registry and no box gifts rules. A cash or check is an, in an envelope is a given instead. So Italian weddings, the bride often carries a special bag at the reception called a labosa, and that brings envelopes of money from guests to cover the wedding expenses. So this is not a new thing. This is certainly something that's in a lot of different traditions, a lot of different cultures, and I just feel that it's it's just becoming more and more acceptable way to to sort of like communicate your appreciation for being included. Um, so yeah, hopefully that'll give you some advice for for wedding gifts and stuff. Um, one of the one of the cleaning questions somebody asked me the other day because 
you guys like the cleaning advice. I, I, quite, I find it quite fascinating, actually, because I love cleaning. So I really find it fascinating. But somebody had dropped breakfast in bed, done something really nice for their partner, and dropped it all over the bed and said, well, how do we clean that up? What's a great advice? So I think like any spill, when you're dealing with spillages on a bed, Time is of the essence, especially when you're dealing with a mattress. So if you have to stand the mattress up and sponge the stained area with cold water, but don't overwet it, blot with a dry cloth. And then you can spot treat the area with like a stain remover designed for like carpets or upholstery. That also, that works quite well. And then rinse it with cold water and then blot dry again. And then if there's anything like a lingering odor, add a few dust. add a few drops of disinfectant to the water that you can sort of rinse out the stain as well um or even another thing that i I actually did this morning and i thought about it before i did the podcast is uh cleaning your cutting boards so if you're trying to remove food stains on plastic cutting boards you can rub a lemon juice into them and then just leave it overnight as well to pull that up and then rinse thoroughly and dry and if the board is dishwasher safe then wash it at a 65 degree cycle and that should get rid of any germs or bacteria that's sort of on the cutting board for you as well. You know, when I when I got back from my brother's wedding, I did seven loads of laundry. Now, bear in mind, that's not all just clothes, but I did do probably five loads of clothes. Then I did two loads of towels because I'd taken away towels and I had towels here. And then I did all my bedding. I did seven loads of laundry the other day. And I just feel like, I feel like I've got laundry coming into my eyeballs. I can't seem to get to the bottom of my laundry. So I'm going to go now and try and finish drying my laundry because I have so much laundry. Oh, you know what I didn't do? You, um, Conundrum. I was just about to go and not give you guys the conundrum. So last week I gave you guys two because I was away. Mish, you were the only person that... Uh, guests on my conundrums so um nobody else took the opportunity to so don't worry guys i know that i wasn't around and i do apologize uh and i'd recorded the podcast early so i'm so sorry about that but the conundrums were if you're running in a race and you pass a person in second place what place are you in and the answer is second place uh what has one eye but can't see and the answer is a needle um and this week's is, what is the difference between a jeweler and a jailer? What is the difference between a jeweler and a jailer? So give me those answers on Just James Podcast, just underscore James underscore podcast. And I will certainly give you guys uh, a shout out if you get them right next week. I'm following a really sweet TikTok page. It's called Frankie on the Moon. Frankie to the Moon. Sorry, Frankie to the Moon. Frankie as in K-I-E, Frankie to the Moon. And it's this lovely guy. He's got a little um, I, Australian sheepdog, I think it is. And then his girlfriend has an Australian sheepdog. And her little sheepdog is very petrified of men. But she sort of really loves him. And his whole page is about education on dogs and emphasize that people should spend time with their dogs. And the little girl dog, Indy, who's really nervous of men, he's really like building trust with. And it's just a beautiful little page. So highly recommend if you are looking for something really cool to listen to, definite, um, listen to, to watch. It's just a really sweet page. He's really just, I just like his persona. I just think he's a really nice guy. So highly, highly recommend uh, but guys, I just want you this week, 
I just want one small positive thought in the morning that's going to change your whole day because you'll be surprised how much it's going to affect your day. And just doing something simple, something really small that's going to be good for you, good for yourself, and good for your mental health this week. Let's be positive. Let's be happy. Let's be great people. Let's go live our best lives and hug your dogs, hug your friends, hug your family. And uh, have a wonderful week, everybody. And I'll see you again next week. Goodbye. They're the two best friends that anyone can have. They're the two best friends that anyone can have. They're the two best friends that anyone can have. Just James and Thomas the Plant.